Welcome to the Today's Market Explained podcast. I am your host, Brian Castle, and with me, as always, is the amazing co-host, Chris Reardon. Chris is the Director of Development, and I'm the CEO and founder of Four Star Wealth Advisors. Our promise with this show is to share the most important investment opportunities that we are seeing in ways that are easy to understand and hopefully even easier for you to benefit from so you can make money quickly and easily by investing. Each episode will detail the most important market updates and how best to benefit from them. And we will also be interviewing subject matter experts who can give insights into new and exciting markets and other investment opportunities. So to maximize every episode's value, please go to todaysmarketexplained.com to download, quote, 65 investment terms you must know to crush your financial goals, unquote. Trust us, this free gift will be your cheat sheet for reaching your financial goals in the shortest possible time. And to see all the best and most valuable moments from this episode, please go to Today's Market Explained on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. Now, let's see what's happening in the financial markets. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Four Star Podcast. Uh, I'm here, uh, Brian Castle. I'm your host, and I'm here with uh, the uh, esteemed Mr. Christopher Reard. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Brian. Good afternoon, and uh, good afternoon to everyone out there. And longtime podcast listeners know that Chris is our four-star director of development. He's the master of all things portfolio, marketing, trading, reports. Uh, and of course, Chris still lives his, loves his Cleveland Indians and uh, caretaker of his golden doodle puppy, Hudson. And he, he's got a new Reardon with him as well this year. So that's a, a new addition. Uh, again, Chris, we're proud, proud you're with me here. My good friend, Chris, on the podcast. Thanks again, Brian. And I'm uh, the founder, Brian Castle, the CEO and founder of Four Star Wealth. I'm an Eagle Scout, a trustee of the National Boy Scout Foundation, philanthropic advisor to CEOs and, and insiders, chief dad to Quinn and Evan, and husband to the amazing Tripti. Uh, and I would ask all of you, uh, if you would, uh, please give us a five out of five if you like what we're hearing, what you're hearing. Uh, we're going to start today with our, our regular program about the markets, the economy, and then what you see in general out there in the world. And Chris, big changes between the relationships and the markets, uh, and it's signaling things. Let's get into it. Yeah, yeah. So like you said, Brian, a lot of changes. Um, some of it's a continuation of the trends we've seen over the last couple podcasts, but uh, really starting almost at a tipping point. Um, number one is still domestic equities, and um, but it's lost 14 points since the last podcast and now sits at 284. Uh, what's significant about that is it's only now one point above the number two asset class, which is commodities. So commodities is sitting at 283, and it's gained four points since the last podcast, so gained slightly there. Uh, but really in that number one and two position, um, if trends continue, uh, we would expect to see commodities overtake domestic equities, uh, at least in the near term, in that number one position. Uh, international equities still sits at number three. It's been relatively stagnant. It did gain one point since the last podcast, and it sits at 210. So still far, um, has, there's still a significant amount of difference between um, international equities in the number three position and uh, commodities or domestic equities, really, in the one and two. Uh, fixed income still holds the number four position. It gained five points, so it did gain a little bit. It's at 138. Uh, cash held steady at 109 in the fifth position, and currencies in the sixth position gained six points. Uh, so the biggest gainer since the last podcast, uh, and it sits at 64 
a tally point. So a uh, bit of movement there. Obviously, I think the biggest impact really is is the pullback of domestic equities um, and you know how close it is now to moving into that number two position. So so it is it is uh, interesting. The last time we saw commodities uh, right at the door of the number one position was in 2015, just for a couple of months. And then the last time we saw a real strong uh, commodity market was in 2010. And that was right at, at coming out of the recession or kind of maybe still partly in the middle of it because the real estate markets didn't bottom until 2012. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're looking at this, Chris, with, uh, you know, kind of an eye toward why there's really high volatility. Markets are really open this year in January with a thud. Uh, we're, we're down about 6% in the broader markets, a little less in the dividend stocks, a lot more in the a lot more in some cases in the growth stocks. The tech stocks have been slaughtered and we've had big high volatility as well as the small companies have been really, really uh, routinely uh, taken out back and shot through the head. Uh, really, really difficult market here. So uh, that's what we're seeing here, Chris. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, it makes sense a little bit. I mean, commodities have definitely, we've, we've talked about it on here, commodities have definitely I've seen a little bit of a, a surge due to supply demand issues. Um, you know, I think you have geopolitical issues with Russia and Ukraine putting pressure on the price of uh, oil and gas. So there's a lot of things at play that are that are causing pressures from the commodities front. Uh, and likewise, there's a lot of things uh, in the U.S. Uh, with the, the potential rate rises coming down the line um, and other aspects that are that are putting some pressure on the downward side. So you just really have a convergence there. Um, you know, and, and whether it's bad or whether we're en entering a recession or going towards a recession, we don't really know. Um, but we just see a little bit of, I would say, increased volatility in the short term. For sure. And, and maybe the commodity move really doesn't have much to do with going into a recession necessarily in inflation. It could be just simply the supply and the lack of the ability to produce some of the commodities that are out there too. Uh, we saw prices going up because we had basically demand push, and there wasn't much. Uh, there wasn't much uh, demand. There, there was a lot of demand, but there wasn't much uh, product out there. Car prices went up. A lot of other things went up in price and inflation. And the same thing could be true for these commodities. So we've never really recovered um, from an economy like the pandemic economy because we've never had an economy like the pandemic economy. The last pandemic we went through in America was in 1918. And we didn't have financial markets that were as organized and broadly based as we are now. So this is a new experience. Uh, some people try to say this time is different and other people say, no, this time, time isn't different, but there are certainly some elements of the economy that are different this time. And so we're trying to make sense of all of it. We see headwinds and we see really strong growth in, our, in certain areas too. So we're trying to, again, try to make sense of it, but we are seeing some high volatility uh, the destruction in technology stocks continues with Facebook, and now the, the firm is called Meta, uh, down 26% last week, and a brutal, brutal month for tech, uh, betting on, uh, the firm is betting on, on virtual reality headsets and alternate reality glasses. They're spending, I think they spent $3 billion on it last year. Um, so they're trying to pivot from only being a Facebook company to getting involved in all these other different types of technologies that will interface with the Facebook, I believe, as well. So we'll see how that all plays out. But in the short run, it did affect them. And then, Chris, you, you know the story that Apple did increase some of the 
controls and compliance controls on use usage of Apple by other companies that use Apple's system on their advertising and things like that. And it affected a lot of technology companies, including Facebook Meta. So, um, you know, it's really, it's, it's an interesting time. Uh, no one thought it would get that bad, but um, the stock was down on that Thursday, $30 billion, which is the most of any single company has ever lost in a single day. And Mark Zuckerberg, the founder and CEO lost 5 billion, I believe on his own. Uh, so it was quite a volatile market. It was kind of a culmination of a lot of other names. Snap went down big that day as well. Uh, so it was a really, really brutal previous Thursday. Yeah, you saw a lot of the social medias take a big hit, um, just obviously due to having that relationship. I know um, another notable statistic that uh, Meta or Facebook reported was they actually saw a decline in Facebook users for the first time. Yeah. So we're seeing a little bit of a decline there as well. And um, yeah, I mean, I think the metaverse is, is what you're kind of alluding to. And, and I think Facebook's really made a, a pivot to try to go in this direction. Um, so far, there's been a lot of expenditure, not a lot of return. Um, you know, who knows what's going to happen down the line. But as far as right now, uh, it, it's a little off-putting, I think. They haven't, you know, and that's why this, the stock got whacked so hard. And I think, you know, I think it is important to point out that Facebook thrives on getting data about people that are on their platform and then, you know, providing that data to advertisers uh, to help them, you know, whether they want to advertise their products or, or services. And, um, you know, I think Apple kind of took a step out there and said, you know, we're not going to provide this if the end user doesn't want to. So some of those restrictions have uh, hurt the advertising revenue, I believe, of Facebook. And, and that's what's, you know, hurt, uh, pushed some of the revenue down. Well, there's some other headwinds out there also with uh, both political parties in Congress in the United States are concerned about uh, cancel culture. They're concerned about... Um, you know, the technology companies using their power to cancel people and take them off Facebook and things like that. So there's investigations that are starting uh, and that probably will, will only get worse. So uh, there's some there's some headwinds there for sure. Then ironically, right after we had that horrible Thursday, um, the stock that had been uh, drifting a little bit, uh, the largest retailer in the world is Amazon and Amazon stock was up. I think it was about 13 to 15% the next day. And that ended up being the largest single update of any company in American history. So it was a huge multi-billion dollar move for Amazon. So Amazon appears to be back on a better trend. Um, but, you know, Chris, the, you know, the, the, the brutal nature of the technology market in January and into the first couple of days of February is pretty clear. Peloton stock is down 79%. So there's been a lot of, lot of uh, pain out there. Um, you know, when we talk about the economy, uh, some people are saying, well, it's not really the 70s in some ways, same ways it's worse than the 70s, in some ways it's not worse than the 70s. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, there's a lot of weird things going on in the economy. And it's still just coming back from this pandemic. Again, we've never had a pandemic in the modern economy in America. We've never shut down 40% of our economy entirely. We've never come back from shutting down 40% of our economy entirely. So these are the things that we're seeing. And it's really uh, new, uh, new, new stuff, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, with Peloton, it, it actually shows an interesting trend. So like you said, it's down, um, about 80%, 79% from its high. Um, and what we're seeing now is a lot of, 
um, companies kind of circling to see about you know acquiring it. I know names have been floated such as Amazon um, and Nike uh, floating up purchasing uh, Peloton now that it's been down. And with a lot of companies have been hoarding cash, um, keeping cash in reserves uh, in case of a downturn with the pandemic, a lot of unknowns. Um, you know, now they're starting to feel a little free. They're, they're going out and doing acquisitions. We talked on the last podcast about Microsoft acquiring uh, video game developer Activision Blizzard. And it was about a 70 billion, a little under $70 billion transaction there. So, um, you know, I think companies are looking for other companies and where they can be strategic, find companies that are down, price stock prices are down um, and come in and acquire them. And, and I think that's something we're going to continue to see. I know some of the, one of the latest trends I saw was with the labor market being tight, um, instead, if you can't find new uh, talent to, uh, to, you know, hire, why not acquire a firm with a very talented team, and that way you kind of bring them underneath you without having to uh, attract them away from their current firm. So, uh, yeah. I think you're, we're going to continue to see that. We have a, you know, a lot of these companies have a lot of money in reserves. Yes. Well, and and then uh, we we had some interesting jobless claims numbers. It's confusing, Chris. You got the detail. Yep. So uh, the jobless came, claims numbers came out for the last week of January, which ended in the 29th. Uh, they decreased. So it's positive. Uh, they decreased to a seasonally adjusted uh, 238,000. Uh, it's a decrease from 261,000. So um, a slight decrease there. Uh, and then I think alluding to what you said, Brian, the, econ- the U.S. economy added uh, 467,000 jobs in January, which came in well over expectations. Uh, but I think the key thing to highlight there is that 467,000 job number was uh, seasonally adjusted. And so what that means is they're, you know, they're taking in certain considerations or trying to kind of, if you will, iron out um, you know, some of the seasonality with certain jobs, things like that. And in reality, the jobs number was flat, if not negative uh, for January. So you know, there is ways to paint a rosier picture um, and potentially what we could see is, is future job numbers kind of um, revert back slightly. So I think that a lot of the politics tried to paint a very rosy picture around that, but I think all in, uh, overall, it was a, um, I think, more underwhelming number than people um, actually took. Well, and I think part of the issue is that uh, there are a lot of nuances to some of those numbers and seasonal adjustments, and those are seasonal adjustments from uh, 2021. So that's the last set of adjustments we're going to get for at least another year. So now we're, you know, if it was the normal number, we would have seen probably a down number. So we'll see if that accelerates coming forward from here. But it does appear that uh, the uh, jobs growth is slowing to some extent. And that's what we saw really in this quarter, except for the seasonal adjustments that made up for things that weren't announced last year. So we'll see where it all goes. Consumer spending on services, I believe, was up, Chris, right? Yeah. So um, ever since the pandemic struck, I don't think it's been a secret that uh, consumers have been spending on durable goods, whether it's been going out and buying a new TV, home improvement projects. Uh, so durable goods spending has you know, been accelerated, and it really peaked at around a 34% increase during the pandemic. And that slowly kind of tapered back. Meanwhile, services took a big hit, service spending, travel, going out to restaurants took a big hit, and it's slowly been creeping back. And right now it's um, it's negative 0.7% from pre-pandemic levels, which is pretty much back to pre-pandemic levels of spending. Uh, and I think a lot of people are projecting 
uh, with the decrease in cases, a lot of countries opening up, a lot of the um, lockdowns and mandates kind of easing off, uh, that we could see that go positive and see that accelerate. So we could see almost a um, kind of a switch where you have less and less a durable goods spending and more and more services spending. And they could kind of swap this year as you have pent up demand to travel uh, and go out to restaurants and, and, and spend all those good services. So, so um, I tend to travel a fair amount and we've seen a lot of activity in the airports. Um, we're not back to pre-pandemic levels, but we're getting there in certain areas. Uh, and then uh, this weekend, just anecdotally, all through uh, Wisconsin, uh, we were touring resorts for some family reasons and saw incredible activity at the resorts in southern Wisconsin, Lake Geneva, Lake Delavan, and those areas. So, and from uh, my experience in recent travel, we've seen lots of conferences are being launched now. Pandemic is getting mostly over. Uh, the mandates, the vaccine and mask mandates are being unwound either by courts or by governors directly. So um, we're seeing a lot of activity that wasn't there before. So maybe, maybe we don't go into a recession. Uh, maybe, maybe the economy accelerates from here. Uh, but Chris, it's really any, anyone's guess at this point, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you hit the nail on the head in the beginning. I think that you know, we really haven't seen, we, we don't know what people to expect, what people are gonna do, right? And there definitely is a pent up demand and a want to travel. Uh, I guess the unknown is, are people gonna feel uh, you know, safe, uh, financially safe enough to, to spend and go travel? Are they going to hoard that and try to increase their savings? I think, you know, from a positive case standpoint, I think the, the job market is robust. You know, people that have jobs have mostly seen, you know, positive raises, which is increasing their wealth. So now I think if a lot of economists have, you know, projected out, you know, that people will go and spend it, and a lot of that will be in the services. Yes. Well, and, and for more information on some of these ideas, our economists, Forster economist Bob Barone writes in Forbes magazine, and he had a very interesting piece about the explanation of that jobs number and uh, why it wasn't as good as it appeared. I mean, it's always good to have a good number. We're not, we're not against good numbers, obviously, but it wasn't as good as, as everybody thought. But for more information on that, refer to Forbes magazine uh, to under Bob Barone. He's the four-star economist. So there's some more information there. Now, Chris, on the other hand, while maybe some of the numbers weren't as positive, we also saw home prices Right, you know, continuing to stay high, right? Yep. So uh, the S and P CoreLogic Case Shiller National Home Price Index—that's a mouthful—but uh, rose 18.8 percent in November. Uh, that's year-over-year numbers. Um, still very positive. It was slightly down. Um, it was, it was the, the number it posted year-over-year in October was 19 percent, but uh, still a very strong housing market. We continue to see. Um, you know, I think it's overall positive that it pulled back a little bit. Um, you know, but it still remains, I think, very, very strong, um, you know, from that standpoint. Uh, the U.S. consumer spending uh, is a number, another thing I'll note, uh, that declined 0.6% in December from November. And um, we kind of highlighted and talked about this. I think a lot of uh, that spending was front, um, uh, kind of front-loaded, uh, because I think you had a lot of holiday shoppers who purchased things in October, even September, uh, because there was a large fear that uh, the scarcity of goods, people wouldn't be able to get what they need for the holidays. So I think that front-loading number did play a little bit of impact on that uh, decline in, in spending. Well, and Chris, before we had the pandemic, we were starting to see a recovery in interest rates, uh, meaning interest rates going up and a normalization of the economy. And then, of course, the pandemic hit and rates went down to, to rock bottom again. 
But now we're starting to see rates sneak up a little bit here. And the Fed is claiming they're going to be raising rates. We've heard uh, you know, threats of three and four increases, but it could be may maybe less than that. Um, one one uh, executive said seven increases. I think that's not possible. But there's enough headwinds in the economy swirling that you know one to two rate increases could be possible. But we're already seeing the ten-year uh, Treasury heading up almost for four to two percent, right, Chris? Yep. Yeah. Closed today, uh, which this is uh, February seventh. Uh, for those of you listening, uh, closed at one point nine two percent. So uh, it is really starting to test that two percent level, which. You know, you think 2% is still very low. And I will say the 10-year U.S. Treasury is usually what's correlated to um, mortgage rates because the average mortgage is usually held around 10 years. Um, so usually that's what correlates to interest rates the, the closest. 2% um, is still very low, uh, but it's more of a psychological thing and, a, and an impact on the markets when it hits that 2% level. Uh, and it will start to, to weigh on the market. You know, the, the higher that number goes, um, you think about it from a from a you know just a, a general perspective. If you correlate two uh, percent being your risk free that you can get, you can hey without taking almost no risk, you can get two percent return. And some people look at that and they'll take that, um, whereas maybe one percent they weren't willing to take. So as that inch is higher, it'll put a little bit more pressure on people saying ah you know I'm going to pull more money out of the market. And, I'm more comfortable with this, this uh, conservative return. And, and that's going to pressure up all the other bond yields. So um, we'll see how that plays out. But that impact is going to have an effect on the markets, especially this year. I know we in March, the expectation is a Fed increase. I think the one variable is some people, whether they're going to raise it uh, 25 basis points or 50 basis points, is, which would be almost a two raising it twice, essentially, in, in March. Um, so there's a little bit of play there on that. I think it, we'll see that play out with uh, as the economic numbers come out, but um, you know, it's definitely going to impact the markets, and it'd be it's going to be a primary driver of the markets this year, I would say. It could be, and you know, I guess the question that we have to ask ourselves is: Should we fear higher interest rates? I know that savers will be happy about it; they'll get more interest. Certainly, seniors uh, who have a lot of money in, in safe bucket wealth preservation type assets, we'll see higher interest probably on CDs and, and other bonds and that kind of thing. So that could be a positive for them. Uh, but if it moves too quickly, that could choke off the economy. But usually as rates rise, uh, you know, that's actually a sign of uh, demand for money. And so uh, the economy is generally good. Um, if rates are rising, the, you know, the economy has got to be good to support that. And so the, the Fed's not going to keep raising rates into a, a, a declining economic environment and choke off the growth of the economy. So that'll only really happen if they really feel that the economy is taking off and the economy can support higher interest rates. We probably do need higher interest rates, but uh, they have to wait until the economy can really support it. And as we said, there's so many really strange things that, that have gone on in this economy, the pandemic and the pandemic recovery that it's hard really to tell exactly what the right path is. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't want to be a member of the Fed right now having to figure this one out. No, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough decision. And, and I, you know, I, I agree. I mean, I think higher interest rates are overall very good. They get a kind of a bad uh, reputation, if you will, on the street, because you, know, you think higher interest rates, they've been correlated with essentially being negative on the market, you know, pushing the market down. But, you know, like Brian said, I, I think it's a great point. You know, if the market is strong, 
maybe we'll see some short-term volatility, but it'll take that interest rate hike and then it'll, it'll slowly move back upwards. It'll digest it and move upwards. And yeah. um, it's important that we, you know, get the rates higher. And I, I think overall the long-term stability and the long-term uh, financial uh, stability of the uh, U.S. markets will, will appreciate it. Yes. Well, and the other, the other economic thing we've been a little concerned about is the national debt peaked over 30 trillion in the last week, Chris, and up from about what, 23 trillion just a short while ago. Yep, yeah, 20, uh, that was just before the pandemic struck, we're at 23 trillion. So we've added about 7 trillion um, since the pandemic, which is, you know, it's absolutely crazy numbers we're talking about here. And I don't think, I don't think I can't even conceptualize $30 trillion, but um, the fact that we've, we've almost added a third of our national debt in the last two years is very concerning. And I think um, as we're easing out of hopefully this pandemic, I think that the politicians and, and um, you know, need to take a, a stark look at this and probably, I mean, the, the fiscally responsible thing would be to pay it down, but uh, we never really know uh, if the uh, politicians really wanna feel uh, or be fiscally responsible or whether they wanna just give people more money, if you will. We will see. Well, um, so in what we see out there, Chris, um, you mentioned uh, some new activity near the Salton Sea. Yep. Yeah. So uh, Calif in uh, California, Salton Sea, uh, three companies are looking at a possible um, to possibly mine lithium there, which is a huge resource for building electric vehicles and 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 batteries. And um, you know, it's very important. And obviously. A lot of companies are trending in that direction. Currently, the U.S. imports uh, nearly all of its lithium that we consume, so uh, that would be very strategic um, and, and very helpful if we could find some mines in the U.S. to mine it and, and not be entirely reliable on Australia, China, and some of these other countries. Yes. Well, and then, then of course, um, uh, with other changes, uh, there's been a consolidation in the airline industry now again as well, right? Yep, just out today, uh, Frontier Group decided they're gonna purchase Spirit Airlines, um, which is gonna create a juggernaut in the discount airline space. But, um, you know, there's still some hurdles that probably we have to pass there. It's very preliminary, it just was announced today. Uh, but we continue, we continue to see a consolidation in the uh, airline space. So, you know, it's a continuation of a trend we've seen, but uh, it'll, it'll be interesting. I mean, I'm sure it's gonna get some pushback uh, from the FTC and, and certain, um, constituents like that. Absolutely. Well, there's a couple of other interesting things. The Ferrari company, Ferrari Automobiles, increased their prices just due to input prices. So we saw a lot of uh, inflation that was considered transitory because uh, there was no inventory and there was uh, more demand for certain goods uh, like cars, like autos, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, certain food prices went up as well, but that was much more of a demand push because there was less available now because of the inflation in prices and input prices, we're seeing inflation due to input prices. So, it, so it's, it's a supply side issue. And so prices are going up. So inflation was rumored to be transitory. It's clearly not. Uh, it may not be as strong as people think. Uh, again, all the models that folks are looking at regarding inflation are based on other types of economies, not pandemic and then pandemic recovery. So. Again, we're not really sure how this is all going to play out. Maybe it will be transitory, but not right away. Transitory is one year. And it's already been over a year or so. 
but maybe it'll slow down and not be as strong. Maybe we won't see galloping inflation and high interest rates just like uh, just like in the 70s. So um, um, anyway, there's a lot to uh, be thankful for in America, uh, but there's a lot of confusion right now in the economy. Uh, but the good news, Chris, is uh, the groundhog, well, maybe it's not good news for some, but some people like winter. The groundhog saw a shadow. So six more weeks of winter to March 15 to 20th in America, around most of the country, the groundhog saw a shadow. And uh, we talked earlier about how the market's been really sloppy. Technology stocks have been selling off, uh, you know, and, and not performing as well for a better part of the year, and then really a brutal January. And then some of the other elements of the markets look like pre-recession or pre-bear market uh, activity, right? So should we absolutely assume that we're going to have a bear market and we're going to go into a recession? I, I don't think we should. You know, the old adage that market, the markets have signaled 10 of the last two recessions. So in other words, we see the markets go down and then nothing negative happens in the economy. Maybe then the market needed a breather. Maybe the market was too extended. So that could be what we're seeing here. Anyone who was around for the 1987 market crash, no recession whatsoever, but the market went down 40% actually from top to bottom. And it turns out it was more of a computer crash than it was anything else. So um, the, we, don't, we don't have to fear that necessarily. We'll see how things play out. Um, and uh, strong housing is still out there. There's a lot of pent up demand for housing. So there's other elements of the economy that are, that are still really good, strong fundamentals. So uh, Chris, I think that's all we can say at this point, isn't it? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that, you know, we don't know what, what's gonna be coming down the, down the road, but I think overall, you know, there, there's certain areas that are, that are positive and certain areas that are negative, which is, which is any market. Um, so we'll just take it as it comes. And, you know, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of things that, that, that are, that play on the side of, of our, of the U S economy. Right. And, and for example, in uh, the November of 2007, when the economy started to show some weakness and then into 2008, all those metrics that were all going down at the same time, that's not happening now either. So, uh, maybe this won't be a recessionary period of time. Uh, there was an old adage, and it's a, so old that I don't think Chris even knew about it, that if the NFC won the Super Bowl, that the, the market was going to be good. And if the AFC won the Super Bowl, well, that's way off, off uh, out of the window. And, and who thought Tom Brady would lose? Now the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. And so uh, it'd be an interesting Super Bowl. I'm not sure we can draw any indicators from who wins the Super Bowl, Chris, but, you know, you know um, maybe we could get a Ouija board out and we'll figure it out there. I don't know, but there you go. Use some astrology symbols or something as well. All right. <laughs> Thanks everybody for being with us today on the four star podcast. And again, tell your friends about the four star podcast and be, make sure to give us a five out of five. Thanks again, everybody. And we'll be back shortly with some very interesting interviews and also another market update in a couple of weeks. Thanks everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to learn more about maximizing your stock market returns with the least amount of time and effort, please go to todaysmarketexplained.com and download our free guide on the 65 investment terms you must know to crush your financial goals. If you felt any benefit from this episode, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes and share this with anyone you think will also find value and benefit from this. And please follow Today's Market Explained on 
TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube to see all the short video clips covering the most valuable moments from today's episode. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. We can't wait to tell you everything we're seeing in the financial investment markets. This podcast is provided by Four Star Wealth Advisors for the general uh, public and general information purposes only. The information is not considered to be an offer to buy or sell any securities or investments. Investing involves the risk of loss and investors should be prepared to bear potential losses. Investments should only be made after thorough review with your investment advisor, considering all factors including personal goals, needs, and risk tolerance. Four Star is an SEC registered investment advisor, maintains a principal business in the state of Illinois. The firm may only transact business in states in which it's notice filed or qualifies for a corresponding exemption from such requirements. For information about Four Star's registration status and business operations, please consult the firm's form ADV disclosure documents, the most recent versions of which are available on the SEC's Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website at www.advisorinfo.sec.gov. Thank you.